Thank you, Ron. And good afternoon. On this fine day here in Tulsa, very British-like weather, by the way, right now, dull and overcast. <laughs> I want to talk to you about rain and coming from Great Britain. I have a lot to say about it, right? <laughs> Speak from experience. Now, rain plays uh, an important part, though, in the Bible, um, figuring heavily in the stories of Noah, Elijah, and others. And uh, in the Bible, it is seen as something refreshing, delightful, and a blessing from God, but it is also seen in another way, blessing and judgments. Yes, when times were good in Israel, um, during the period of the kings of Israel and the prophets, God would allow the rains to fall in due season. They would yield their crop and there would be an abundance. But when the people turned away from God, one of his forms of judgment would be to stop the rains. A drought would ensue, their crops would not come forth, and there would be hard times. So blessing and judgment, abundance and want. In the story of Noah, we see in the book of Genesis just how just a few hundred years after the creation of man, man was becoming an abomination in the eyes of God. In Genesis 6, God says that every thought was evil continually in man, and he was sorry that he had made mankind. So God intends to destroy man beast and every living thing on earth until Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. One good man in those hard times, in those dark times before the flood would save the human race. Noah and his family stood out from all the wickedness that was going on around them. So let's, let's just turn and look at a few verses here in the book of Genesis and the story of Noah Let's go to um, Genesis in the seventh chapter, and we'll just look at a few different verses here just to uh, get a story, just to get a look at the story of Noah and, the, uh, and the, uh, the floods that came. Let's just begin in verse 1, look at verse 1, then verse 4, then verse 7, and we'll just float around here. Verse 1, Genesis chapter 7, the great flood. Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. So Noah had been preparing the ark, building it, for over a hundred years at this point. Let's skip down to verse 4. For after seven more days, God tells Noah, I will cause it to rain on the earth forty days and forty nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And let's skip down to verse 7 here. Genesis 7, verse 7. So Noah, with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives, went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. And then let's skip down to verses 11 and 12. In the 600th year of Noah's life. So at this point, he's over 600 years old. Been building the ark for over 100 years. 
in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And then let's skip down to verses 23 and 24 to conclude chapter 7. Uh, verse 23, So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. So Noah had been building the ark for about 120 years by what we read in the account. Genesis, waiting for when the days, when the rains would come. An absolute torrential monsoon-like rain was probably how it all started. Nothing like we've ever seen before. And it got more and more severe. Ground eruptions uh, with water shooting up through the earth. The waters of the oceans would have been raised and the waters of the heavens fell, both converging in a super- inundation of rain for 40 days. An absolute uh, crescendo of waters and rain that uh, would have been lucky just to, to get around. And then, of course, the, the waters just died rising up and up, and uh, people started drowning, and, and uh, Noah headed to the ark with his family. So God decided to wipe humanity off the face of the earth, and he used rain to do it flooded the whole world. And of course, some theologians and Bible experts speculate it was the known world at the time, that part of the Middle East or North Africa, Eastern Europe. Um, but the ark came to rest after the, the flood uh, that Noah and his family survived on Mount Ararat in modern-day Turkey. So here is one of the examples of God using rain to punish Mankind, And there's another picture here we have to look at when you look at this. You know, when you look at rain and, and dryness, it's, it's with rain things flourish, don't they? Life happens. You know, plants, trees, flowers grow. They need that rain. And if it doesn't rain, then you sprinkle some water on for the rewarding can or, or a hose or whatever. Um, rivers and lakes need it those leading to, to creeks and, and the water that we get. Everything stays at healthy levels, crops and foods for humans and animals to stay healthy and live. So on the other side of the, the, the coin, the other side of the story is the dryness. If you have the opposite to the rain and dryness, what happens? No rain begets death, doesn't it? Fields die, grass dies, very hard for any plants or trees to grow. Rivers and lakes dry up. Animals die. Famine can set in in extreme cases, bad cases, like, uh, like a lot of you remember, for those of you who were around, um, uh, Ethiopia, 1980 through, 1983 through 1985. And I remember all the, the band-aid, the live aid that Bob Geldof set off in the concerts that were performed both over in, in Europe and over here in America. And that ensued in Ethiopia because of several years of severe famine. And ended up 1.2 million people died from that, that famine. So 
And then on a personal scale, I don't know if you guys remember as much, but 2011, 2012, those two real hot summers we had 10 years ago. And I remember specifically 2011, I was working for a Yaffe Medals, and I'd got a job where I was working in the office. I was thankful, because goodness me, that summer we had, I believe, at least in the Tulsa area, we had about 35 days over 100 degrees. And we had three or four days where it was over 110. And I felt really bad for the guys working outside um, in the yard, and all the supervisors told them, you know, guys, go out there. We'll do 20, 30 minutes if you can handle it. Come back in the shade, because a lot of the areas that were big overhangs, awnings. We had water stations set up and, of course, Gatorade and what have you. Um, and I was working in an AC office. The AC wasn't working that great either. It was so hot. Uh, but I was thankful I was working inside, not back out there driving the truck or whatever. Um, but also, I remember 2011, 2012, because my father-in-law, Dale, um, who had, he had over 100 head of cattle at one time, and in a couple of different places on a, on a field that he was leasing, and then he had some, some of his own land. But what was happening was the, the ponds were drying up, and if the cattle, if the cows can't get to that water, what's going to happen next? So the, the ponds are drying up on his land, and he ended up having to sell um, a bunch of his cattle 2013, 2014, Coming, you know, going away by the truckload. And that's what happens, isn't it? You know, even in the likes of Oklahoma, when the drought sets in, it's going to be tough for farmers to get by and make a living. So, you know, you, I, really don't, I really don't care for rain. I never have. Um, you know, having grown up in a country where it rains so much, I don't get excited by it, never have. <laughs> My wife, however, does. Dollar loves the rain. I say, well, you can have it, well, whatever. <laughs> now, I do like the, the electrical storms we have here. That is definitely um, different and, and exciting and, and interesting to watch. Of course, I didn't like getting hit by a tornado two years ago, but that's, that's part of the consequence of living in Oklahoma, right? Um, but... Um, I didn't notice until my wife mentioned it over in Britain, though, because she, she lived there for a while, a couple of different spells, um, of how there was kind of a dampness in the air, especially over in Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, where my folks are from, that growing up there, I never really noticed it. But you, your clothes never got truly dry hanging on the clothesline, which is what most people do over there, rather than sticking it in the dryer for, for 40 minutes, you know? Um, now, the Donegal, which is the northwest corner of Ireland, where my folks are from, uh, my heritage, it rains four out of every seven days. Very, very green. And over, the whole of Ireland is very green. Like the song says, 40 shades of green. Very, very green. And they, they've always had an abundance of rain and, and no problem. Um, there's another couple of stats here which, which make this all very interesting hearing. I looked it up. Um, <clears throat> the wettest place on earth is a town called Cherrapunji in the mountains of, you guessed it, India, of course. But they get an average rainfall of 460 inches, 40 feet of rain every year. And then you compare that to Tulsa, where our average rainfall is 43 inches. So you've got 460 inches and 43 inches. And of course, some years in Tulsa, in Oklahoma, we get a bit more, like uh, I think it was 2018 we had, we had the 43 inches by June or July, and it was a very wet year that year. 
Um, and out of curiosity, I wanted to look. Okay, so Tulsa gets 43 inches. How much does, does London, which is all stereotypical raining in the movies, right? 23 inches of rain in London. Just London. Now, southern England is drier than northern England and Scotland and Ireland. But I thought that was interesting. I thought, wow. But what happens with, with the English and British rain is a very fine rain, and it rains more days over there. But sometimes, like when I was working over there, it's such a fi fine rain, you'd hardly notice it. But you look around, you just catch it in the light, you see it like a, almost like a mist. So it rains more days, but there's more sunny days here, more dry days here in the likes of Oklahoma. But then you compare India, one of the wettest countries in the world, and what we have, and you look at the other side, and you look at the driest place on Earth. And that is the, officially supposed to be the Atacama, I believe I'm pronounced, Atacama Desert in northern Chile and southern Peru, where they've had no measurable rain in decades. No measurable rain at all. And one, I think it was that, that same area, uh, I remember watching a documentary 10 years ago, it mentioned that their average, if you want to put a number on it, uh, 0 0.8, 0 0.9 inches of rain per year. So extremely dry, the complete opposite. And of course, there's a desert, that part of, uh, what is it, uh, northern Chile and southern Peru down there on the, on the west coast of South America. So the extremes there of, of the rain and the extremes of dryness and, and we're kind of somewhere in the middle to, to some extent. So, but also, you know, God controls the weather. There's been many, many cases of historical events where it's, it's obvious there's the divine intervention. Uh, and, for example, 1776, when there were 32,000, this one instance, 32,000 British soldiers and 8,000 Americans on Long Island. And we all know this story. God allowed a thick fog to envelop the Americans as they crossed the mile-wide East River. Once they reached the other side, once those 8,000 men had gone over across again and again, hours and hours, and headed inland, the fog lifted, didn't it? Now they were, the job was done, they were in the clear, the fog lifted, and the Brits didn't know a thing had happened. Of course, they went to where they thought the Americans were, they're gone. So George Washington and his men escaped, one of the many times he did escape, in, in similar circumstances. This was a situation where God miraculously intervened to help a country he would bless for the next 200 years. And the founding fathers were God-fearing men. Their principles and values were sound. They all often quoted scriptures from the Bible. So God blessed America for 200 years. America would go on to become the greatest country in the history of the world with God's blessing. But when we as a people start taking God out of our kids' schools, become intolerant of biblical Christian ideals, then God is going to remove his blessing. Some may believe it's already been removed. God can use the curse of no rain to occur. The damage a drought can do, reservoirs drying out, rivers and lakes, shortage of food and crops, like the shortage of rain, 10 years ago in Iowa, I don't know if you remember that, there was a massive, uh, it affected the whole corn crop nationwide back in 2011, 2012. A few years of serious drought could bring a country to its knees. 
So rain, blessings. So rain, you know, with blessings, things are good. Dry, times are bad. Doesn't, doesn't bode well for the future. So one of the stories in Elijah's busy life was the one where God shut up the heavens for three and a half years. No rain because of how evil King Ahab and his wife Jezebel were. And that's the story that we're briefly going to look at too as we go over this message. So let's go over to 1 Kings chapter 17 and let's look at verses 1 through 7. 1 Kings chapter 17 verses 1 through 7 initially. So 1 Kings chapter 17, uh, chapter 17 verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, who is the king, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. So Elijah was telling King Ahab, God has told me, I'm telling you, there will be no rain. Then the word of the Lord came to him again, came to Elijah again, saying, God told Elijah, get away from here. And turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So birds would bring him food. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And after that, Elijah goes and stays with the, with the widow whose jar of olive oil never dries up, never stops, and her flour never goes away. She has constant flour and constant olive oil to make bread and, and all the other things. Because when Elijah went to see her, she thought, well, and he said, make, make me some bread. He said, well, I've only got enough bread and olive oil for my son and myself. And he said, no, God will provide for you. And it never, it never ran out. So for the next three years, he stayed with them. And, uh, and things were good. So well, that's, that's a whole other story. Let's, skip, let's uh, go over to uh, the next chapter and just look at the first verse here just to pick up on the story. First um, Kings chapter 18, verse 1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. And then what ensues is a very, very interesting story, which I won't go into detail now, but it's uh, Elijah's battle with the 450 prophets of Baal, his victory at Mount Carmel, where they're dancing and praying to their idols led to nothing, but the God of Elijah, our God, put them to shame and made a complete mockery of them. It was a great victory for Elijah. And you can look, at, you can look that up. It's in uh, chapter 18. Uh, and uh, God really put those idols of, of Baal to shame. And unfortunately for the people of Israel, God had to punish the land with no rain for three and a half years because of the evil and wickedness of its king and his government. The, times to, the ties to our present time are clear, I think, in this story. Without godless leaders, 
running around telling us to go against our values and beliefs in nearly everything they do. Abortion for the last 47 years, killing tens of millions of, of unborn babies. The homosexual marriage that, that's been going on for the last five years here since it was passed by the Supreme Court. And the whole transgender issue. And that's just some. And I don't look forward to the time God sends his judgment, judgment upon the USA. It's, it's, it's so sorry. And, and, you know, I love the United States of America, but I'm, I'm, I'm sick and tired of the bad and the evil that we see going on here, both in government and in life. And they're pushing, pushing us, pushing us, pressing our buttons. Yes, you must accept transgenders. You must accept homosexual marriage. Otherwise, you're a bigot, you're a homophobe, you're bad, blah, blah, blah. No, no, I'm not. I'm a Christian. I have standards. I have values. This is what I believe. If you don't like it, you can lump it. We have the freedom of speech. It's our First Amendment right. Uh, we have the, uh, the right to peaceably assemble here at church. We can preach the messages of God, preach the gospel, okay? And it doesn't matter what you say in Washington, D.C., we're always going to do that. You know, we'll do that to our death if we have to, you know, until Christ returns. So that's my stump speech anyway, <clears throat> right? But, but we see it going on, and God will punish countries and people who do that, who turn away from him and make a mockery of him and his ways. So, and it's, it's prophesied in the time of the end, God may indeed let all this stuff happen. You don't have to turn there, but in Revelation uh, chapter 11 and verse 6, verse 6, we see that God gives the power to the two witnesses in the end time to shut up the heavens for three and a half years that they are around. See? God will punish the whole world with no rain toward the time of the end. And we know what ensues when that happens. No, rains, no rain means no water and food, which can lead to famine and disease and devastation will be felt from one corner of the earth to the other. All to tie in with the end times, which are going to be so horrible and hard anyway. So, rain is indeed a blessing, though, from God. And many times in the Bible, God withheld that blessing from the people. We have a blessing from God right now, though. We know and believe that God the Father sent his only begotten Son to die for us. So, Jesus Christ is our abundant blessing and his word is like a refreshing rain so I want to turn to one last scripture here let's look at the words of Jesus here Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27 Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 27. Put that up there. There you go. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Jesus says, Therefore, whoever he hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine 
and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. We need to be like that wise man who built his house on the rock. Will we move when the rain beats against us? Or will we stand and fight when Satan, when Satan fires his arrows toward us? We need to be strong and steadfast in our belief that Jesus is our rock and salvation. And like it says in my study Bible here, on, uh, on these few verses here, the house on the rock, quote, the house on the rock pictures a life founded on a proper relationship to Christ. It will stand the test of his judgment. But the house on the sand will fail the test. End quote. So, most living things on this earth, therefore, need the rain to sustain them, as we've seen. We need the rain to sustain us. The water, that water, keeps the wheels, wheels of life turning. On the other hand, that life-sustaining rain does not, if that rain, sorry, if that life uh, sustaining rain does not fall, devastation occurs. Okay? Blessings and good times, the rain fall. Uh, bad times, it does not bode well for the future if it dries up. So therefore, we must pray continually and daily, thy, thy kingdom come, and accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, and preach the gospel, God's word, and truth to the world. And so, I just wanted to say also, uh, just a quick note on, uh, pray that you can keep praying for Dala. She uh, could not make it today. She had a second uh, cataract surgery on this past Monday. Um, but she's had a few more complications with it again. Um, and she's always been a slow healer. I was telling, telling Larry before services there that with, ever since she was a child, for some reason, she tends to heal slower than other people. You know, if we have a cough or a cold for two or three days, she has it for five or six days. Um, so she's having a few issues, and just pray you can keep her in your prayers. Appreciate it.